1: I have to say when Costello went on the air, I was one of the youngest women to ever do with, with no nepotism, absolutely no nepotism. Nobody knows that. They're so busy like, oh, she got this, she was this. There were other people that were talented. I was one, probably the youngest woman to ever do that with, I didn't know, I'm, I could cry right now. I didn't know anybody and I made it on national TV. Pretty fucking cool.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard. Glad to have you back. Thanks again for everything. Oh, you're going to love this second episode with Sue Costello. She's incredible. She has such a story and so inspirational for those who are starting out, those who have received a break, those who have gotten a break and it didn't pan out and those who are preparing for something big, she has it all. Really, really, so much experience. Truly, truly incredible story. Before I get started, if you'd like to reach me, you can do so on Instagram or Twitter, at Barry Katz, or at my website at BarryKatz.com. So before I get started and do the second part here, I just wanna share with you that Sue is truly a unique character of the game. She's just somebody who really, really has done things in a way that it's just hard to believe sometimes how things happen and how you can have a great set over and over and over again wherever you are and maybe 10, 20, 50, 100, 300 people see it night in and night out and nothing can happen except gaining the respect of your peers. But then one day somebody's in a crowd, somebody who Has a checkbook and a network or a studio can make all the difference in the world in your career if they believe in you. And before you know it, you have everybody eating out of the palm of your hands and deals and offers coming to you from every direction of the globe. And when I think about Sue, she's somebody who really got that break, somebody saw her, somebody big, and then somebody bigger, and then somebody at the highest level, Les Moonves, one of the biggest and most powerful people in the entertainment business at the time. When somebody like that believes in you, it's a tremendous thing. They can just pick up the phone and and help you get a deal, or put you in a show, or commit money to you. But the bottom line is, you still have to deliver. Every time you walk on that set, you have to over-deliver. You truly have to give them something that even if they're expecting the best from you, it's better. And that's what Sue did. Every time she went on, She gave it her all. Her character came through, as evidenced by the fact that Les Moonves wanted to do deal after deal with her, even after the ones that she had worked on didn't move forward. A guy like that doesn't do that unless he means business and unless you're doing something that's really, really moving the needle but as I've shared many times and probably your grandparents have told you as well what defines you as a person is not how you handle things when things are going well but how you handle things when things don't go your way and that's something it's one of the most challenging things in the world and as I said before Sue I realized that She has tremendous humility and such a zest for life. And despite the way the business has gone with her, with the highest highs and the lowest lows and anything in between, she still maintains a positive force, a kindness, and a true, true, incredible level of incredible humility and I truly was grateful to sit down with her and see how she's evolved as a person from the time I first met her until now and I can't help but think to myself that we could all use a little bit of that perseverance a little bit of that positivity that helps us get up in the morning and face the day with a purpose, regardless if the business has crushed you like a bug or if it's taken you on its wings and flown you to the moon. And I think if you can do that and have those kind of thoughts and also when you get the opportunity to deliver in a way that it really, really changes the game for everybody who sees those performances, you're going to have the opportunity to have the kind of opportunities and career successes that Sue Costello has had. Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. When you're in that situation, you got to give the president of the network has anointed you and has given you his blessing. But you walk into the group that's a family and you're the redheaded stepchild. When people are being cold to you, what's your winning formula there? How do you handle it? Do you acknowledge that they're cold to you? Yeah, or you inside
1: just... myself, not to them. I'm quick to like be, I mean, this is danger. How do I make sure I don't cause myself so more So you're not danger? making
0: jokes, you're just, no. okay. All right. No. All right, keep going. Get my
1: job done. That's all I do is I go get, get the job done, get the job done.
0: So you do the photo shoot? So I do
1: the photo shoot, then we go back, then they had, the, I, I don't know how many episodes it was, but they were having a big party for the episodes. And so we go there and I bring my friend from Southie and all, they have the pictures of the cast with me and it all over the walls and everything. My friend from South, like, Sue, look at this, this is amazing. And I remember Candace leaned in. I was at the bar and she leans in and she goes, you know, you're lucky you're here because I usually don't like people. And I remember we just something went up my back, like this is, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but you can't go too far thinking that you're in trouble because then you're fucked because you have to get the job done. And I'm also very aware of like, don't argue with the fool because from afar you can't tell who's who. I've been very aware of that.
0: But she took the time to come up to you and say, I usually don't like people.
1: But it didn't feel loving. Sincere. No, it didn't feel loving. It felt scary. Okay. So then we get to, so then finally they kept postponing. But I finally fly out to do the, uh, do the table read. And I remember where it was very tense. And I remember, but I can still perform under tension. I I'm, I actually thrive under it. And so I was doing the table reading. I remember I did something like this, and they roared laughing. And I remember thinking the laughter is not matching. That was kind of cute, but that wasn't that funny. And uh, and then uh, I remember uh, Faith, I, she was just being hot, like hot, like tense. And then uh, Faith Ford said something like, "Sue, this is my." And I was hiding. I was in my dressing room. This is what I do too. I protect myself. I'm like, "Don't be around," because. That's where the bad stuff can happen. Don't argue with the fool because from a fight, you can't tell who's who. If if she's trying to get me in trouble, if I'm around too much, I'm so that's the advice I would give you. Protect yourself because if you put yourself and you're vulnerable in a situation, whatever anybody's trying to do to you will happen. It will manifest. So rather than trying to pretend that you're cool, don't deny your feelings. So just like acting, don't deny your feelings. If you're scared and you don't feel safe, remove yourself from the situation instead of saying I'm fine. So um, I remember she Faithful was like, Sue, this is my friend from Italy. Do you speak Italian? I'm like, Excellente. And I, they all started laughing. And I was like, No, stop laughing. I remember I had the feeling, like, Stop laughing. And then the guys were like, Sue, don't you get it? She's jealous of you. The producers were saying that or something. And I didn't get it. I honest to God didn't get it. I was like, Why? She's the famous mo- it's like star. I'm not. And so then uh, we had the. Um, I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, Sue, his his brother was like, so you have to eat a lot of vegetables when you go to L.A. because it's going to be very stressful. And I took it to the umpteenth Power. I eat like a lot of broccoli.
0: I have no idea what that means. Uh,
1: I, that's what he told me to do, when I did it.
0: He, what do vegetables have to do with whether you're stressed?
1: Well, or... to keep yourself in shape and everything, don't eat junk food oh, or okay. whatever. Okay. And so I remember Pat Finn. He was Pat the, Finn. Yeah. yeah. He was on. The, he was the only one that was nice to me on the set. And I remember I was standing there talking to him and all of a sudden I was so stressed that I farted so big that it like flew my bangs up over my head. And I remember he like left his body and I left my body like I was like, I can't believe that just came out of my body. And he was like, I can't believe that Mm -hmm. just came out of my body. And I remember, okay, that wasn't fun. So I went back into my dressing room and I remember what I did was I memorized my lines, memorized my lines, memorized my lines so that she couldn't like screw me up. And uh, we had done one scene where I put the bottle, and the lines were like literally like, she doesn't scam me. I've been in a knife fight. like they were mimicking real life. And so she uh, I put the bottle down in the water, got on her a tiny bit, and she threw a fit. So there were tons of times where she was trying to sabotage. And so that day the network was there. I was like, Sue, stay on book, stay on book, do not just go just do your lines." And uh, we did the ta- we did the run-through and I killed it. And I remember that one guy, the stuffy guy on the show, he came over. He was like, they were in awe of my ability to not get swayed. And then uh, that night I was at a screening and Ruthann was supposed to meet me. And uh, she was late, 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 late. And then she came in. I remember we were like in these stands and she came in the door and she looked like her eyes were all screwed up. And I was like, oh, she's having a terrible night. (laughs) And then we got outside and she parked the car and she got up on her knees and she's like, the Murphy Brown thing isn't going to work out. And I was like, my heart, I just knew that I had just screwed up townies, I knew. And I was like, what? And then John Moonves was my attorney at the time and he called me and I was John like-
0: John Moonves is Les Moonves' brother. Yeah,
1: just in case he didn't know that everybody was in bed together. Um, and I remember I told John, I thought it was because I found it on Pat Finn that I got fired. And uh, so then I go back to, to New York, I'm devastated. I mean, I was devastated. That was, that but was But what did
0: Ruthanne say the reason was that they let she you go? She didn't tell me she didn't tell you Mm -mm. did jonathan tell you no jonathan didn't tell Mm -mm. you did les tell you Mm -mm. so you ask and what do they say
1: they they just said it's just not going to work out
0: but you say why and what do they say
1: it's just not going to work out we're going to get you something else they probably double talked me and like don't worry we're going to get you something else it's not a big deal But I was devastated. I flew back to New York. I remember I talked. you want to talk about wasting money. I talked on the phone in first class from New York to, from LA to New York, because I was so devastated. I remember I got home Those phone
0: calls are very
1: expensive. (laughs) I spend my whole deal. (laughs) And so- uh,
0: But the thing is, one thing that the audience here should know is uh, when you do a deal for 13 episodes, that's guaranteed. mm -hmm. So they have to pay you out all the money unless it's for cause. Like let's say you did cocaine on the set or you passed out or you screamed at somebody and they, or you gave up confidential information. So she didn't do that. So I got paid. the good news is she got paid yes. for the 13.
1: was the bad, it worth it to me though to her The bad news career. is yeah. what
0: happens is rumors start flying around. Oh my God, Vinny
1: Favorito. And I, he just messaged me on Facebook. I'm telling everybody, don't send me any messages. I'm completely comfortable with everything that I say now. You thought I was confident before. I'm unshakable now. Vinny Favorito had said that I, the reason why I got fired from Murphy Brown was because I asked her to do my laundry. And it's funny now, it sounds ridiculous, but at the time, I, it was devastating when everybody was saying So the
0: show else. you shot, they obviously had to reshoot that with another bartender.
1: Not only that, listen to this. You know, Vitello's? Um, yeah. The picture of the cast was in Vitello's and they didn't even reshoot. Remember that we did the cast pictures? Yeah. They just airbrushed me out. There was just a space where I was hanging in Vitello's. So there's
0: no. They didn't recast the bartender.
1: <laughs> oh, they did. I don't know what. The, I think they did recast it, but then they. For the picture, they just airbrushed me out.
0: And you never called the executive producer and said what happened or no? Because
1: no. your self esteem and everything gets so. And I was so devastated that I had. Uh, screwed up the townies thing, too. Like, I I really made the right decision, I thought, by doing this, and then it was like, and not only that, so then I'm still devastated, but I still have a development deal. But he said,
0: I'll find you something else.
1: But I still have the development deal, so I have to come home for the weekend in New York. I shut all the blinds, I lied on the couch, I was devastated, but then they called me, I had to come back to LA for the development deal meetings. So now I'm, I'm emotionally a wreck, and Sam Simon, Sam Simon. Sam Simon had to have a meeting with Sam Simon. Holy
0: shit. Sam Simon since passed away. One of the creators of The Simpsons Mm -hmm. and was a really a real player.
1: Yes. And so he pitches me a show with uh, he wants to do the New Age uh, Green Acres with me, David Tal and a mechanical pig. And I'm completely distraught and emotionally a mess. And I'm, I'm sold.
0: <laughs> You're sold on David Tail and a mechanical pig with three makers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: okay. And then Ruthann and Jonathan have to literally do an exorcism with me. Because I'm completely sold on the, uh, on the, what do you call it? But in hindsight, now I can tell you in hindsight what was going on. Les Moonves forced me on Murphy Brown. That's why I got kicked off. And Sam Simon had a hair across his ass because Les didn't do one of his shows. So he was coming at me to fuck with Les. So I was being, you know, like a pinball, I didn't know. So what'd you do? So they exercised me out of that. And then they wanted to do a Laverne and Shirley Remake. Who's they? Le- Les wanted a Laverne and Shirley make- remake. And I would always tell them what to do, I'd like figure out how to just get out of, through the minutia, like all the drama. And I never did any of that. I'm like, well, why don't we go to Miller Boyette, who was the people who did the original Laverne and Shirley. And there were these two young guys, Magosis and Horn, two young gay men, and they were hilarious, but they had never gotten anything on the air. I'm like, why doesn't Magosis and Horn work with Miller Boyette? They can get the show on the air, and they can these guys can create it new and fresh. They meet, they work together, and then they cast this other girl, And the girl kept saying that she was Laverne. And I was like, she's not Laverne, not Laverne. It was so crazy. The whole thing's so crazy. I'm like, you know, she's not Laverne. I'm Laverne, she's the Shirley girl.
0: Well, she tested for... Shirley. Shirley. But
1: she wanted to be Laverne.
0: But she wasn't, she got the role, she got paid for the role of Shirley.
1: Exactly. And she kept saying that she was Laverne. It was insane. And so then the same thing happened. They fly me out to do a test pilot and we're on the set of Step By Step, I think it was, Suzanne Somers, oh boy. You should have saw Suzanne Somers when I was on the set. Like, one to kill me. And then they were running late, so we had to sit there for like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours uh, um, to wait to shoot it. And they kept saying, we're not going to... Because they had another show being shot with uh, Ileana Douglas and Penelope Miller. And he kept saying, we're not going to make it because you're not famous enough. We're not going to make it because you're not famous enough. We're not going to make it because you're not famous enough. The whole time until we shot the pilot. We do one take, they put the cameras away. I know something else is wrong. They can that pilot. I have no idea what happens with that, why that happened. And Les calls me that Friday night, midnight. Can you get on a plane tomorrow? I just fight Ileana Douglas. Can you come take over for her on this pilot, Queens? I do. Queens. At the time,
0: Ileana Douglas was a girlfriend of a very famous filmmaker named Martin Scorsese.
1: hmm.
0: You might recognize Ileana Douglas for many things. Great actress Kate Fear. She was the mm-hmm. one who De Niro raped and bit her face
1: mm-hmm. so we shoot queens and from queens i get costello
0: that doesn't get picked up but now cost up. now he wants to develop a show that's body. for
1: fox so that wasn't with Les. that was with fox
0: god who was the showrunner for that
1: uh cheryl Holiday. it was wind dancer was the uh
0: wind dancer was matt, matt williams, williams who, who did created home improvement and, and also worked on cosby mm-hmm. great brave people mm-hmm. matt williams i will say this In your final show that you did, Costello, the one thing where you don't have to look at anybody behind the scenes, Matt Williams is calm, gentle, kind, soft spoken. You didn't have anybody that was drama in that show, did you?
1: Well they weren't they weren't as available. Well what happened was when we shot the pilot, they thought it was Ago, I mean, we the the audience went wild, and even even CBS, even Wendy, who works below, last they will. I saw her at Burke Williams, which is a massage place. She was like Sue, that's the best show I've ever seen. Colin Quinn, same thing. But what happened was, I think Matt Williams and those guys had been so successful that they thought it was a slam dunk, and they left Cheryl, and I don't know Cheryl wasn't equipped to run the show. Got it. So there were problems behind the scenes, and but Costello got on me yeah, yeah, we shot eight episodes. Yeah. And it got preempted. I mean, really, my career is hilarious. Because then the night of the premiere, Mark McGuire hit a 60 second home run and it got preempted. So, if you want to know how you sustain, you take all the hits. And you don't listen to everybody. Who cares what they say? I mean, people are going to say whatever they're going to say. You just have to be true to yourself.
0: I love it. Just for a few minutes, just take us. Back to where you were born, what your household was like, and what was the economic dynamic of your family when you were growing up?
1: Well, first of all, I was born, it's still unclear whether I was premature or underweight. But I had to, I lived in the incubator for like two months by myself. And they gave me my last rights and told me I was going to die. So I don't know if it's because that happened or because I heard the story. That made me have this confidence that you refer to. So that's how my life started. My uh, I have three siblings. My dad was a carpenter, and then and my mom was a housewife for a while, and then she started working. And then my dad became secretary treasurer of the carpenters union, and then he became a labor mediator. So when we were little, the money was tight, but then it started getting at least a little bit better. But I'm blue collar Boston working class. Went to Catholic school. My dad pulled the money together, sent me to Catholic school. My sister too, my brother.
0: What was your inspiration to getting into this crazy business? When you used to watch comedies on television?
1: I used to listen to Cosby's album. I definitely, Cosby. Yeah.
0: So when you got that call from Les with Cosby in room, that must've been amazing.
1: Wow. And because it was all based on my performance. Like a lot of people would say, oh, I remember I did this woman in business uh, talk at the Women's Comedy Festival. And this one girl, they paid to come hear me. And this one girl was like, yeah, I heard it was easy when you got your deals. And I turned on my hair, I was like, listen, <laughs> you just paid to get advice from me. I'm like, first of all, don't talk to me like that. I could bring you on the road with me, you're a new comic. And then uh, I said, it wasn't easy. Everything that I got was based on my performance. Whether it was early or not, I still, from, from Polly Dodge, I got Murphy Brown, which got me to Queens, which got me to Costello. So it wasn't like I had these deals that were magic. And it is my tenacity. So yeah, blue collar. Nobody was an entertainer. But I I used to put on like, so we we did a minstrel show when we were in the eighth grade for Pine Street Inn, which is the men's homeless shelter. We were supposed to just give them St. Patrick's Day food, corned beef and cabbage. And I was like, why don't we put on a show for them?
0: When you started doing comedy, who were the people that you watched that you thought to yourself, my God, if I could just be a fraction of how funny those people are, I know I'm going to do really well.
1: It's It was never if I could be as funny as them. I always wanted to do what the boys did.
0: Who was the male comedian that you looked at in the most awe that was not I'll tell you uh, who used to make
1: me laugh the hardest. I think if I really had to be honest was Nick DiPaolo when he was early on because the way he teetered between sex and fucking hatred and hilariousness there there was nothing like watching him
0: hey everybody I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am if you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business that's why I'm offering you my blueprint for success a -a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry I'll tell you all the stories all the philosophies give you all the great special guests and even give you one-on-one private consultations to help you expand enhance and skyrocket your comedy career Just go to barrykatz.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. I just think to myself I had them open for Carol Lieber, who's a clean comic. (laughs) And I had to sort of shield her from watching him. And I'm listening in my ear him saying, you ever go to a sub shop? And the guy comes from the back, he's wearing gloves. He's got a plunger in his hand. He says, can I help you? Yeah, you can start by boiling your fucking hands. I don't want the rhino virus in my tuna. I just remember that. And she's like, who's that? I'm like, oh, that was just the opening act. Willis, we can go upstairs
1: or whatever. But I saw him at Stitches and he was so like angry not only even angry, but sexual and like the girls wanted to hate him, but they wanted to fuck him at the same time. And he was hilarious. And I remember being at Nick's one time and his girlfriend came up to me and she's like, uh, he was on stage and she's like, oh, Nicky's such a good guy. Such a good guy. I love him. And I was thinking, well, this girl seems nice. I'm like, maybe I'm wrong about him. And she's like, I just he's just so great to me. I just really love him. And then she's like, he's the only guy I, like call me a cunt. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, back he he used to make me laugh really hard.
0: When well, you break new ground on this show, uh, am you, I saying
1: that br- word? No, words? it's
0: good. The, the, the c word is good. That brings in lots of viewers.
1: Well, uh, that's what she said. One, one, one
0: two, 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 three, 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 three four,
1: four six, five, five, six. Six
0: degrees of separation. Six <laughs> degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names.
1: Okay, tell me go. what
0: comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Colin Quinn.
1: Love him. Colin's been nothing but great to me. He he said Costello was the best TV show he's ever seen. And he used to tell the studios if he could make a show like that, he would do it. And he put me on Tough Crowd all the time. Love him.
0: Mark Maron.
1: Don't like him at all. Have no nothing. Now,
0: normally, somebody who puts you on his show yes. twice yes. means that they support you.
1: yes. He edited my last episode because I was in the middle of negotiating with CBS and he edited out everything that I was negotiating and told me that he wasn't going to edit it and then uh, dropped it right before the CBS article with Les came out. I just had a deal with CBS with Les during all that horrificness and Mark edited it and lied to me and told me he wouldn't edit it and was very aggressive with me in the hotel room while he was uh, interviewing me. I have no love for Mark Maron. Why do you think he was like that with you? Because he knew the CBS thing. I don't know if CBS, they knew I was going to go do the podcast. I don't know if they knew. It was also during Me Too, so everybody's guilt was up. So they were all afraid. God only knows what everybody's done.
0: God, why do you think he interviewed you?
1: Because I'm awesome.
0: So what would be the point of interviewing you if he wanted, I mean...
1: What would be the point of editing it? Let's keep it on that. I don't know. Why would you tell somebody you're not going to edit it and then edit it?
0: Couldn't make a mistake.
1: And then you call them and you say, oh, I understand you edited some stuff. And they say, no, we didn't edit anything. Ah, I got you. And then sent me the edited version. He edited out all my negotiations with CBS. That would make me sound like a very smart, powerful woman and make CBS not sound so great.
0: When you listen to the interview and people have listened to the interview, do they call you and tell you that was a horrible interview or do they love the interview?
1: They don't say. The girls can hear how aggressive he is with me because he said to me, uh, I said, I was talking and I, this is where the girls really get mad. I say, uh, oh my God. I said, they've done everything. They've taken my money. They've grabbed my ass and Mark goes, well, were you ever sexually assaulted? And I had to pause and say, Mark, grabbing a woman's ass is sexual assault. And the girls are like, but he kind of, he edited it out so he didn't sound like the way he is. That's what's going on. He, But it's, a, I have no level. I, have,
0: so I just want you to know, I promise you. What? I will edit out everything from this podcast. <laughs> I don't care.
1: No, um, I called afterwards. I call. I called as soon as I left that hotel room and called Brendan, his producer, and said, Brendan, you better leave every word that's in there because he was so aggressive with me. The whole reason why I said everything I said was because of the way he was treating me. So you want to see, let's flip it. Because you say, Oh, somebody who's so nice to put you on his show, well obviously he's put me on a show because I'm worthy of being on the show. And second of all, who why would he do that to somebody that trusts him? This is what all Me Too and Times Up is all about. I went only met him in a hotel room because I trusted him because I did his podcast twice, not a, 3 times I done it. I did the live one in Boston too. I no. never expected him to be that big of a no, douchebag.
0: I, I love this. This is this Oh, I have no fucking love
1: loss for him, That's none. And I say it right to his face.
0: Artie Lang.
1: I love Artie. I was on Artie's podcast. I was on the show. Nothing, 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 nothing more amazing than being on Artie's podcast when he was sober. His brain and doing. That's why comics are comics, because the way that we can.
0: How do you handle seeing somebody who doesn't appear to care whether they live or die?
1: Well, when we were on the podcast, I saw him not being sober anymore, and I, I made the conscious decision that I was going to say something to him when we were on the podcast, and if I, that meant I was going to get fired, then I was going to take that risk.
0: And how to be handled? I got
1: fired. <laughs> <laughs> God,
0: I don't know who's been fired more, you or me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can't be great without the hate, baby.
0: <laughs> uh Billy Jean King.
1: Well, I watched the the HBO documentary of Billy Jean King, and as I was watching, it was first of all, it's her grace—the grace with which she handled herself under so much duress—that is always insp- inspiring to me. Like we're saying, under the hate, under the gossip, under—it doesn't matter what I'm saying right now. People are going to interpret it and be like, "Oh, Susan loses, she gets fired." It's a being able to handle it gracefully and not sinking and not going low, which is why I think people love comics.
0: Rosa Parks.
1: Rosa Parks, because she did not give up that seat, and I can't. It's the same idea that I said that I hold on to when I'm in the middle of all the stress. Like I can't imagine how she sat there and just held on to herself like that when there was so much hate and and she must have been so terrified, and no one had ever done it before. So it's like the tennis that I talked about in the beginning, like when you're just by yourself and you you just. You have no idea what the outcome, it could have been horrible, she could have been killed and she just did it. And those are the people that have more courage than the people that smoke the cigarettes and talk shit about everybody from the back.
0: The last person on your inspiration list, Tom Brady.
1: Same idea. He, he was, they were calling him fat, slow, you name it. He was on the Patriots, they had him on the bench and he just sat there. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited. and He didn't complain. He didn't smoke cigarettes. He didn't. Do, he waited, and then uh, Drew Bledsoe got injured, and he got his opportunity, and he showed up. Anybody that's sitting there judging people or gossiping or anything, you're leaking all your energy for that moment when Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. And I don't care how many times you get fired. I don't care what happens. If you hold on to your energy and you hold on to your grace, and you don't let that low energy grab you, the time will come. What does op- Oprah say? The uh, opportunity with. Uh, luck or something, or time. Luck He's,
0: is when preparation meets opportunity. Yes,
1: and he, and he continues to do it. And in spite of, you want to talk about a cancel culture, like in spite of, every, they were interviewing him, like, are you retiring, are you retiring, are you retiring? Like, just in his face and he just keeps, I love people that keep going and people still don't see it. Like the cognitive dissonance still stays there because you just keep getting stronger. The cognitive dissonance almost, if you use it correctly, can give you fuel.
0: Before I end with my normal few questions, I Thank wanna you. ask you about one thing that's relevant today. Okay. What's going on with Dave Chappelle, his special, and what your feelings are just as part of the tribe of comedians that are involved in this crazy business?
1: Well, I started a show when the pandemic, uh, when we went on lockdown, called it's called Sue TV, where I talk about a lot of labor issues and about everything that's going on in the country. And I predicted a lot of that. I, I, I documented everything that went on with all the uh, uh, protests and everything while we were in lockdown. So I did it live put and um I talked about this in the beginning that how I didn't understand how the corporations were going to reconcile the in house strict virtue signaling uh policies that they had in house and then put the faces of those policies that completely counter contra- contradict that. How did how are they gonna reconcile the two in, in a business from a business standpoint?
0: Okay, so
1: so, so Netflix with in-house, you can't do anything or you're gonna get fired, right?
0: Because there's confidentiality clauses uh, you sign in any major corporation. So anything you disclose outside of the company is a violation. No, I just mean in
1: terms of you can't say anything to anybody in a corporation. Now you can't say anything about anybody's hair. You can't say anything to anybody in within the offices.
0: Okay. So I'm
1: like, how are they gonna have such strict policies in the offices and then present somebody who's a comic who's going against everything that they have in the offices they're creating their own problem
0: because comedy is the last place in the world where you're allowed to say whatever you want but i'm
1: not arguing that i absolutely in an
0: office you're not allowed to in the comedy club and not a comedy right st-
1: but if the corporation that's saying they stand for this within he's not in comedy club he's being presented by a corporation that says that their policies are the this way so what he's doing is he's ac- they were actually causing the the anger and the hate not Chappelle's not doing it and the people in the office aren't doing it the bosses are doing it and I don't even know if they're aware of it so much they just need they're not seeing so you, know you have to reconcile your books they need to reconcile
0: so how did you handle things weren't you a part of something uh... I
1: went to the protest today
0: so you went to the protest today Tell our audience about. I that. just
1: documented. I just what I do is because because I think it's all going to turn to a labor issue. I think that's what's going on. The T S E strike that that's going on right now, that that's still not resolving itself. What's going on in Hollywood is the 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 stuff that used to go on underneath. It's all coming to a head, and it it comes up a little, it comes up a little. So I think it's going to turn to a labor issue. Them, them walking out of Netflix today.
0: So what happened today at the protest? How many?
1: They had about. 200 people, lots of press. Um, the woman who got fired, She's she fired. leaked information. So yeah, so my what I was saying today is a lot of times what happens, and this happens personally too, which happened to me when I was younger and I didn't have a handle on myself. A lot of times the, the when you feel disenfranchised, it gets misplaced. But then when it gets misplaced, it you actually reinforce. So what it, what I felt like while I was there today is that they were reinforcing what Dave had said on the special.
0: What is your position?
1: My position is that the corporation needs to reconcile more because they're causing the problem. If
0: you were the owner of the corporation, what would you do right I would now? have
1: more balls internally or more guts. So I, I don't know if you can say balls anymore. I would have more guts internally and stop virtue signaling and stop being afraid because what Dave's saying is that it's turning into this like mob-like thing. So I would have more, more uh, strength internally to not be pretending like I cared if I really don't care that much.
0: Okay, so you're the president of Netflix. Mm-hmm. There's decisions that need to be made that people never say, hey, let's handle things this way. Right. It's always like, let's handle things this way. Bye-bye, canceled. Let's handle things this way. Support everything that's happening. How do you go out in the world? Well, labor
1: has never really been considered, and now it's starting to be considered because of the pandemic. People have, st- you can see it everywhere, you can see it in the restaurant workers, you can see it everywhere. People, they're, they're striking everywhere because they don't want to go back to being treated horrifically anymore.
0: Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it, because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to Berrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you. To help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Let's pretend you I know this is hard. But let's pretend you were Dave mm-hmm. and you Why is it hard? Because you might not say the things that he said in the special, or you might, I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you do the special that he does, the difficulties are falling upon you, people that are saying things what do you say publicly to those people what would you do differently that dave is doing i think would you do the do, same sti- thing i he's think doing? he
1: should stick to what he did got it okay i absolutely think he should stick to what he did because he didn't do anything different than who he is it's because they hired him and paid him a tremendous amount of money but they have this policy in-house for these people that they feel disenfranchised so it's up to the corporations to start caring about labor more because think about it, it's going to turn into like a class issue. Dave got, got paid a lot of money for that. And
0: yeah. then it's
1: spiraling. Nobody's taking control of anything. So now it's getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, he tried. He tried to say, oh, we're not going to do anything. And then they walked out. And then guess what? The press got a hold of it. And it could turn into... You want to talk about, okay, it always comes full circle whenever you have any conversation. So we started off talking about how do you hold on to yourself so that you don't get insecure because then otherwise it spirals. What's going to happen with Netflix is if somebody doesn't have some integrity and and make some decision, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. I bet you it'll affect their stocks because everybody thinks like, oh, they have $6 billion. They have all this money. And the other thing about Netflix is they, I've been watching the variety about them talking about the algorithms and everything. They're like, our best. Uh, formula is AI in, human, in humans, half 50% AI, how they figure out like what you're watching and everything. And what I feel like with the content, yes, they have a lot of money, but you still need art. You need humanity. So I'm like, well, if you're saying that's how you do in your algorithm, you need to put that into the art. You need to not just throw money at everybody. You still have to care about the art. So this reconciliation, that needs there needs to be a third way everywhere in the country, everywhere. That strike that's going on, the uh, I, uh, TSE strike. They, the, the unions don't, they all don't get to vote. It has to go to a uh, reconciliation and then the, uh, electoral college decides. It's the same that's happening politically. So there's so much movement going on in the country that started when the pandemic happened, that the corporations are going to need a third way, but like a healthy third way, it's not a way that you have to just take them down. Otherwise we're going to have a class war.
0: Got it. Your proudest moment in show business.
1: My proudest moment in show business i have to say when costello went on the air i was one of the youngest women to ever do with with no nepot absolutely no nepotism nobody knows that they're so busy like oh she got this she was this there were other people that were talented i was one, probably the youngest woman to ever do that with i didn't know I'm, i could cry right now i didn't know anybody and i made it on national tv pretty fucking cool
0: amazing your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level?
1: This last CBS deal. This last CBS deal got me to the strength that I never knew I had inside of me. They fucked with the wrong person.
0: How did you use it to get yourself...
1: Well, they tried to fuck me, and I caught them during the moon vest thing. And? And now they're going to get it bad, and I have all my content. I have my play, I have my TV script, I have my uh, book, I have my new media company that I'm building. So what I essentially did well, was while they were going down for me too, they tried to, while they were going down, they brutalized me while they were getting in trouble for brutalizing women, and I caught them, and Mark Maron was part of it, I caught them, and now what I'm gonna do is show what happens to women, and then they're gonna, and I, and I laid it out, all so all the questions that they say. They'll say to what to a woman, she did it for the money. I left the money on the table. Uh, why is she, why didn't she say something? I've been saying something since they did it to me. The third thing is, oh, she's doing it for her career. I was like, I'm not doing it for my career. I have a career, and now I have all this content that I'm going to go. i mean in a meeting with the movie producer Friday. Everybody that I'm calling now is all of a sudden picking up the call, and they're seeing what I did. So what I'm doing, I, I'm setting the table and saying, fuck you. Stop treating women horribly. and I I did it so I could reset, so I could come in and do it like the boys. I met with Les Moonves in 2017 for advice because my career was taken off. Again, I had worked so that I could create so much content because I just want to do it like the boys. And he, they hijacked my career. He hijacked my career and essentially was trying to make me a prostitute instead of letting me do my career while they were going down for it. And I caught them because this isn't my first time around the rodeo.
0: Lastly, what advice do you have for the young person growing up in Dorchester?
1: For the young person growing up in Dorchester? No,
0: for the young person just growing up in in not the greatest scenario in the world, not a lot of resources, not a lot of contacts, but has a dollar and a dream and wants to follow.
1: I mean, it's essentially the same thing that you tell people, but it's it's, uh, don't get caught up in the any of the other self stuff. Anything that, anything that anybody else is telling you, you have to really go inside and trust yourself. And sometimes when you trust yourself, you're gonna get fired. Like sometimes you're gonna, like you said, duality. People might be intimidated. They might not know who you are. And it's a journey. And that's what I would say about the cancel culture. Like we have to be able to make mistakes. We have to be able to be vulnerable. We have to be able to, to grow as people. And it's never gonna be perfect. And everybody's not gonna like you. That's the biggest thing. Like no, like break, like uh, that's what I was saying. Poke the bear, poke the bear on purpose instead of trying to hide all the time from the bear. Just poke it, just go, what? What's gonna happen? You don't know what's gonna happen, so if you preemptively strike, which is what we do all the time, instead of saying, like I always talk about that with the sexual assault stuff, like, what? Call it out, what, what are we doing here? Do it quicker, call it out, call it out, call it out, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? Do you not like me? What can we do? What's happening? Why are you so insecure? What do we need? What do you need from me? What, what's happening? I've learned how to do that very like instantaneously now, instead of all this weird, like, and people don't communicate and they have, they're very childlike and they have emotional issues. And, but if you can figure out to have kindness, be your, your end game, but don't be aware. Like I talk about on my show all the time, you take, you need three, you need a big, huge strike in the beginning. You need a good fuck you to people. You need fuck you, fuck off. And then when they wake up, you pause, and then you go in for what you, and ask for what you want. I predicted the whole thing with the protests, why they went wrong, because I'm from Boston. I know how they use our violence against us. And I know how I fucked myself in my own career. And so now I know the balance between, call somebody out, they grab your ass, say, don't grab my ass. I talk about that with sexual assault a lot with women. We disassociate, people dis, we leave our bodies. And if you disassociate while, some, while a predator is attacking you, they don't. They're not attacking a, a human, so you're actually letting them off the hook in a weird way. So all this weird gross minutia goes on instead of like, and men are sexual. Like they're, just stop it. But we've not. We've we've created all these weird. Same thing with Netflix. Like all these weird. Everybody's just ricocheting off each other. and It's not working anymore. We need somebody to have a little bit of integrity and and care for people, on a bigger picture. That's what. And that doesn't mean like I love it. They say sometimes you have to go on the offensive to keep the peace. Sometimes people need a good fuck you. That's what it is. You know, good fuck you and own it. And if they say, did you just say fuck you to me? You say yeah, I did. I just said fuck you to me. And then they're like, sometimes you need to smoke the cigar with Dean Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and underneath all of it is caring for people.
0: Sue Costello. So great. This was wonderful. Thank I got to have somebody use the C word and tell me the fuck you. So um, I had a no, great time. No, but it's okay
1: if you, if you have a fight sometimes. You need a fight. Like, like people are so precious nowadays. It's like sometimes when you're crashing into somebody, you need a fight sometimes. I
0: think people learned a lot today. You think so? Yeah, I, think. I really
1: do love people. I love humanity. I love even the people that, especially the people that hurt me. Especially CBS, because they showed me how fucking... less moon move Let me tell you something. That guy better be fucking praying. He's getting old. He shouldn't have fucked with me. He should not have fucked with me.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I'm glad for. What? I'm glad that I never fucked with you.
1: Because I'm going to get him. Trust I, me. I'm going to purposely... Per, Bobby Kelly said that. He's on my he post. He goes, is that your hit list? They all know. Because now it's conscious. Now I'm purposely doing it. Now I'm doing it. And it means a lot to me. Like, this is my whole reason for being now. And then I'm gonna come through, I have a TV script. I have my play. I have a book. I have my suit TV. You're doing it. Who gets through all what I got through and then come, makes it even better?
0: And we'll continue to get better.
1: That's what Mark edited out that made me the most mad. I said, I wanna be uh, an example for young women that you can get cooler the older you get. And I he edited that I out.
0: will not edit that
1: out. He did, he edited you that hear out. That?
0: You hear that? Okay, so if it gets edited out, blame them.
1: You're going to just edit it to make it look like I just got fired from everything. No. <laughs> I don't even care. I swear to God.
0: <laughs> As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz, and if you like the show, tell all your friends, and if you don't like the show, tell all your friends.
1: You'll Fancy call All the people Love you Cause you're going For Life is for the dreamer stay
0: they have All to gain It's never quite Over Till so it all feels The same You pick your own Poison